My name is Mr. X, but you can call me Leo, and you are listening to the Full-Blooded Podcast. So, <clears throat> uh, just to clarify, I had a, recorded an episode a little while ago, guys, saying that I have a cold, and uh, I was just getting it. Well, boy. <coughs> 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 Well, that sounds terrible, doesn't it? Happy Monday, everybody. I got the corona. <laughs> the reports have not confirmed exactly if I have the coronavirus or not. But when I talk to my friend Tim in Las Vegas, he convinces me that I'm sure I have it. Um, for example, I didn't realize when I got sick on Monday that I lost my sense of taste and smell. But I was able to confirm on Thursday, when I started eating normal again, because I got my energy back, that I did lose my sense of smell and taste. And by that I mean is most everything tastes like water. I can have a hamburger or a carne asada steak or a, a bite into a chocolate, Three Musketeers, or um, Danish with blueberry filling. Um, I was eating these things when I finally got my appetite back after being sick for like Four days, three days. I was sick Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And Thursday, I started feeling much better and I decided to eat a decent meal at nighttime. I had to force myself. It's the first time I was eating meat because up until then I was and making nothing but shakes. The fever didn't last very long as I shared with you earlier. But, but because I didn't notice I had lost my sense of taste and smell, I just thought I lost my appetite. And because um, I broke the fever so fast, and the body aches only lasted uh, two days and two nights, which were real painful, by the way. But overall, the whole experience felt like a mild cold. Um, and I'm breathing fine. And I, I'm, the reason why I'm like, I coughed right now is because I took a huge hit out of my J prior to starting this show, because my puppies are driving me nuts. Uh, my name is Leo X. You're listening to the Full Blooded Podcast. This happens to be Monday, the day after Corona for me. And uh, we're going to have some pretty good weather here in Orange County. I'm bringing this up because I'm trying to establish some stuff to talk about uh, with you guys. That it's very lighthearted. Usually my problem is I get too heavy-handed sometimes. So going back to the heavy-handed stuff here. Uh, I've been uh, quarantining since Wednesday or Tuesday. Since Monday when I got sick. Yeah, since Monday. And... Um, it's now Monday, so it's been exactly a week, and my energy level for the last three days has been uh, pretty good. Uh, no cough, no scratchy throat, um, no sinus problems. But when I started eating like normal, thinking, you know what, I'm going to start having some meals again, I realized, hey, everything sucks because everything tastes terrible. So they're telling me, well, you should go get tested. And I'm thinking, okay, let's say I go get tested. What are they going to tell me? Go home, quarantine. We can't give you anything. I mean, I've been taking NyQuil because I want to help reduce the fever or I really want to go to sleep at night, right? Um, and I smoke a J here and there to keep my positive vibes going because it's so boring being by yourself locked up in this room. I wonder what's going on downstairs. Anyway, um, so I'm thinking maybe this Thursday, Friday, I will... Uh, Keep monitoring it. Uh, I'm, I can still tell I'm not 100% back to normal. And I'm wondering if I'm infective, infectious or not. 
So there's reason, no reason for me to hang around anybody, especially friends and family, right? So uh, that being said, I, I'm not making this podcast for you guys to to flip a coin whether I had it or not. I think I think that's I think that's a, a moot point now. You know, I think the reason why I wanted you guys to listen to this podcast is because uh, I did tell you from my last stories about being on this little road trip I took. Uh, I shared some some stories. So I have another story I want to share. And this story popped out of my head because I was watching the news today and I'm trying to catch up on where we are with the whole country over Biden, the whole country trying to forget Trump. And, you know, what a lot of people aren't realizing is that there's still a shitload of people that voted for Trump. What do we do with all those people? I mean, they're, they're our neighbors. They're our, they're our brother patriots. They're, you know, they're, they're still part of us, right? But what about that one element that's, you know, very racist. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because when I took this trip, this road trip uh, after July 4th weekend, I wanted to see what's going on around the United States. I wanted to see how far I could get talking to as many people as possible. Uh, and and I wanted to know if I was an American. Because the sentiment was that we're heading towards a civil war and that we're very divided. And this corona thing and how it was handled, mask, no mask, left versus right, black versus white, you know... For a long time, some people close to me were telling me it's not really a black-white thing. It's really more of a left-right thing. And I started believing that. And then I started remembering certain things that started happening during the first two years of Trump's administration. And then I started happening, remembering a really interesting incident that happened to me on, on, in, in Oregon. I had left Medford, Oregon. So here's the story that kind of made me decide, am I an American? This road trip was all about that. It was about meeting as many people as possible and, and hearing from them if they believe this coronavirus was true, if they believe it was for political purposes only, uh, how much of it was false, overinflated, and do, do Americans want to move forward and risk, like wartime, risk their lives to just keep the economy moving forward, or was that just more hype? So I took off on this road trip, right? Well, there was a poker... And I forgot the name of the poker club, but I took pictures of it and a video of it. And it's on the last town just before you cross into Idaho. It's on the Oregon-Idaho border. So this is really, really East Oregon. And uh, you can tell because there's like a ton of dispensaries. And you see a lot of Idaho plates coming into um, that part of Oregon because there's no legal marijuana in Idaho. So you, you constantly see cars crossing over buying a bunch of weed and then going back into Idaho. That, that was kind of funny. So there's this place. I'll, I'll show you the video and picture of what the name was. It was a really nice poker room. And I remember I was pretty tired and we pulled in. It must have been about 6.30, maybe 7 o'clock. And they were starting a tournament. And uh, I sat down to play the cash game. It's a poker club. And uh, they're starting the, the cash game. And I put down my money just like I usually do, right? And then this uh, older gentleman, I'd say he must have been 70, maybe 72, somewhere around there. He looked like a Colonel Sanders, the white goatee, full white hair, you know, the white, um, the whiteness of it all. <laughs> he looked like a, a chunky uh, Colonel Sanders, uh, you know, standard attire, you know, he just looks at me, doesn't say nothing. There's only about five of us at the table and the dealer looks at me again and then says, I'm in seat three, he's in seat. I'm in seat two, he's in seat six. Says out loud, you're not one of them fellas who 
rather stay home and get a check than go out and get a job, right? As if that was some sort of a rally call. I'm thinking to myself, who is this guy? And I got really mad real quick. And I said out loud, not only am I not one of those, I'm not, not only am I not one of those fellas, but I'm the kind of guy that I've had at least two jobs since I was a kid, sir. How's that sound? And he goes, mm, well, sounds okay. And then I was getting ready to process the rest of what I felt because I was just so beside myself that I've, this guy doesn't know who I am from Adam and he automatically comes at me th- trying to qualify if I am a giver or a taker according to his universe. I'm, I still don't know how to frame that. I'm such an easygoing guy and I was raised by my mom like most immigrant parents I was raised with the idea of keep your mouth quiet don't be a burden to anybody don't get any attention to yourself don't make a scene don't complain don't ask questions <laughs> put your head down walk straight don't touch anything we ain't got money to buy it no don't don't embarrass me <laughs> we were little kids and we were three of us we were such a handful to our, my poor mom that you know she didn't have time to to mess around, so you just, you know, do as you're told kind of a thing, like a soldier kind of a thing, right? An attitude. Those are my puppies outside. They're probably freezing outside, and I probably should bring them in. Um, all right, I got to give in. Let's take a, a little break here. This is the Full-Blooded Podcast. I'll be right back, guys. So, snapping of the fingers will come right back. It happened that quick. Uh, how can somebody of that... I'm I'm trying to say this nice. How can someone supposed to be of that age be so smart in life, or at least experienced in life, approach me, someone they've never met, and ask me a question like that, trying to categorize me and my taker or giver in his economy? Which economy is it? Is that a Trump economy? Is that an anti-Trump companion? I don't know who this guy is. I'm not there to talk politics. I just sat down. He's already checking me out. He's a local resident. He's obviously, obviously been there a long time. Most people in Oregon, most of all of Oregon, have treated me really nice. This happens, and it got me pretty upset. Not only have I worked since I was a little kid, but I've had at least two jobs. For a long time, I felt like I had to prove myself growing up. I'm sure a lot of guys are like that, so I would try to you know, work as hard as I can regardless of what the job was. And I was always looking to upgrade and upgrade, but that's most Americans, not just immigrants. And I'm not an immigrant. I was born here. I'm trying to decide, like, how is that question framed here and to what end? Someone told the guy, oh, Gene, be nice now. We have guests from out of town, blah, blah, blah. This wasn't a racist room. You know, everybody, there was, there were people there that were Japanese Americans, super dark skinned. You can tell they owned a farm at one time and they're retired. You know, there were a lot of retired community people there very nice people there too most of the people there were white there was a few Asians and one Native American and that lady by the way ended up saying something at the table Native American lady to that white guy older man later on in the night too so I started realizing Gene was not only a local member retired community a resident for a long time but it occurred to me that everybody kind of knew he was a little racist maybe that's old America isn't it it was a different time back then Leo People could own slaves back then. What? <laughs> I love hearing that one. <laughs> Meaning, it was a different time back then. You know, we don't have to be accountable for what we used to 
believe in. All we got to do is move forward. No, I think I think you do sometimes, right? I think that's what apologies were designed for, right? When something comes out to be so terrible that you almost feel compelled, like, you know, we got to find a way to say sorry for this happening. I'm not saying take responsibility for it, but I mean, have some empathy. Don't even start on that subject. It, you know, when I was in Hurricane Katrina volunteering my time, trying to help all those black people that were ignored in New Orleans by a white president, uh, it really it really touched me. And I it was in December when I did this, and I celebrated Christmas with strangers. And I got to meet people from, uh, some people from Europe and Japan who were there just to volunteer, just to volunteer. And of course, a lot of, a lot of college kids from all over the U.S., you know, also there to volunteer to help make things better because... There wasn't a, a strong federal presence to help these poor people, kind of like what happened in Puerto Rico. As I'm starting to see more and more media out there regarding the exiting of Trump's administration, some of the horrible things he did the first two years, I was so caught up in this whole left-right thing, right? That's what we thought it was, and, I, and to a big extent, it still is. But now as I'm looking back, I'm thinking, I took this road trip to, to decide, am I still an American? Is this the country that... It was taught to me in school that we're supposed to be democratic and be all one and pick the best guy. And instead, I've seen mudslinging or name calling or, you know, uh, character assassination since Ronald Reagan's time. I haven't seen things change for the middle class as they diminish and I've seen the masses continue to get screwed over. So I kind of lost hope for a long time. And then when this whole Kyle Kaepernick thing happened with sports, I really thought, oh man, America's not getting it. So I decided to check out for a long time because. You know, I'm not going to get caught up in all this business. And all of a sudden, and then all of a sudden this happens. All of a sudden this happens, right? We get a new president-elect. And then I'll, I start thinking of all the things that Trump is doing against some people that I really respected, like sports athletes, for example. And then I started, the point is this. I took a road trip to find out if I was still an American. And it wasn't until this morning, thank you, coronavirus, that I'm being at home doing nothing but thinking now and finishing my mending um, that I realized I'm glad I did take this road trip because I think I am an American. I feel like I am an American. I feel like uh, I feel like that experience of that old fucker trying to objectify me put me in some sort of a box that he could approve of or disapprove of alone. I didn't think of that experience back then but I thought of it this morning. And the good thing about this road trip is by having that experience, being forced to talk to people that are racist, just like I was forced to experience what it's like to be denied service in New Orleans, uh, made me realize, no, that element is alive and well. And I almost got caught up in this argument, and what's a left-right thing. Now, while that also exists, I think it really is still a lot of ignorance in the United States as a whole that we do have issues here with racism. So in conclusion, I've learned a couple of things these past seven days. Number one, there's no point in getting tested. Number two, I can't wait for my taste and smell to come back. I hear it takes two weeks on the average from the research I've done. Number three, these wiener dogs are getting me tired. <laughs> just having to constantly check on them because they're either eating a pair of my shoes or they just took a pair, part one of my shoes from the inside out or... They shit somewhere or they piss somewhere. Number three, this corona thing, quite an interesting experience. Do I have it or do I not? And does it matter? And number four, five, and six is I hope you guys have a good week. I'm going to try to get my rest. 
I'm feeling a little positive, not because of the elections, but because the elections are over with, that this road trip is going to continue. I feel like an American. I feel like most people feel like they're Americans again. And I didn't realize um, what that felt like. And that's going to be part of this next road trip. Like, what does that feel like to be an American, right? I went to Alex Machaca's birthday party. We had a great time. We all played poker. We all did shots. We did a lot of shots. So happy birthday, Alex. And when I was leaving, he says, love you, Leo. And then I said, I love you, Alex. I go, I love you, bro. That's what I said. He reminds me of my little brother. You know, I used to have this brother named Javier. And him and I grew up, and we were really, really tight. He's the guy I told you he's a Jehovah's Witness now, and that's why I have issues with him. Anyway, him and I were really tight. Some of the stories I can tell you about, we were really tight growing up. And this little guy, Alex, Alex, he's like in his 30s. He's practically married with a family. I'm calling him little guy. Anyway, great, great guy, great individual. And every time I'm around him, I feel like I want to be a better person. Do you ever meet people like that? Well, I was always hoping that America was going to be like that, right? You want to be a better yourself. You want to be a better person on so many levels. And, and so I'm thinking, you know what? Let's go out and see what this post-Trump era is going to look like now. So I'm thinking about taking a road trip to a couple of states with a, my best friend, asshole of a guy, Tim Vegas. Um, we're trying to cut a deal where we're going to go through about four or five states. He's got some work to do. He's an asshole of a person to live with, especially if you're on the road and there's no outs. But I'm thinking if I can document this, wouldn't that be cool? This is the kind of guy that walks into a room at uh, in Las Vegas at Bellagio and says, and, and, and he's got $100,000 in a rack, right? Just one rack of chips. It's, all, it's worth $100,000. He says, who wants to play heads up? And if you tell him that story, he'll say, and I won. But I don't know if that's true. And, and when I bring up that story, he gets really mad. This guy's a really interesting character. Anyway, I'm trying to swing that deal. I hope you guys have some cool stuff lined up this week. More stories about are you getting American or more poker stories. Um, and uh, I'm feeling a lot better. You guys have a good week. This is the Full Blooded Podcast. My name is Leo X. But you can call me anytime. See ya.